0: and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Women who are ready for real, healthy love, I've got news for you. The Empowered Secure Love Program is better than it's ever been. We have amazing offers this month that are just here for the month of October. And I know what it's like to be stuck on the dating roller coaster, to be dating the same type of person over and over and feeling more heartbroken after every breakup. It's such a waste of time. It can be so frustrating. I want to help you do the healing work so that you're not wasting your time anymore. And that you can finally attract the kind of relationship and partner that you've always wanted. You deserve to feel like love is easy, that you feel desired and loved and cared for, and that you can show up securely attached. Everyone is deserving of that. And if you are really ready to do the work, I want to officially invite you to apply to the Empowered Secure Love Program. We have really limited spots in October. And this is the time we're headed towards 2024, believe it or not. And I want you to think about how do I want to show up in 2024? If you do what you've always done, you'll get the same results that you've always had. So do the work, start today, take the first step. You can apply to the program and have a relationship assessment with one of our program advisors, and they'll let you know if the program is the right fit and there's no pressure on this call. It's simply a way for you to learn more about yourself and learn about the program. In order to apply, simply go to the link in the show notes, or you can go to the link in my Instagram bio and just hit apply now. I'm so excited for you to become that secure version of you who attracts the relationship she's always wanted. Welcome everyone to a very special in-person episode of the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. And we have a really great guest with us. I'm here in New York City and we have Marin, and she is from Life of Marin NYC on Instagram. And this is such a lovely guest. You guys, she went on 28 dates in February. I did. so 28 dates in 28 days. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. So you know a lot about dating and I just can't wait to ask you all the questions. So thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Tell the audience just a little bit about you and kind of how you started this platform. Give us just a little info about you.
1: Yeah. So last January, I was so single and I wanted to take radical action. And I was also like new to my vlogging journey. And so I was kind of looking for a challenge that I could vlog at the same time. And like I said, I was painfully single. I don't even think I was texting anyone mm. because I was caught up in the cycle of just like dating my coworkers who were significantly younger than me. Mm. And I knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, January 31st, I told the world, hey, I'm going to go on 28 dates in 28 days. And it went viral almost immediately. And that actually held me accountable, right? Like it was like a full dating reset and then the whole world was watching. And I dated, um, I think around like 15 different men. Um, a few of the relationships regressed to like fifth, sixth, seventh dates, but then, you know, spoiler alert, but none of the relationships worked out. But during that journey, I started to attract a global following of women who were like, wait, like I feel empowered by your platform. Cause I feel like I've been dated in years, but now I see that you're 31. Cause a lot of people share their dating journeys, but usually it's 22 year olds. Right. And I'm like, fuck the media, fuck all the stigma surrounding being an older, not older, but like yeah. being 31 and dating. A lot of people don't talk about it because the media says you're washed up after 30. No one wanted you. And I was like, I'm taking my power back and I'm going to yes. share this dating, this dating journey.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. It gives me goosebumps thinking Thanks. about it. It's so powerful. Yeah. What was it like to vlog it, to share it? Were there times you were like, I don't want to post this? Yes.
1: Because I started to catch feelings for different people And a lot of the guys who I was dating at the beginning of the challenge, they were like finance guys. They were people who had full careers and lives built. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think that they would subscribe to having their dating life exploited. With that being said, I wasn't exploiting the individuals because I wasn't identifying them. I wasn't putting them in my videos. Right, right. I was just talking about the journey. But there were different junctures where I was like, had like a vulnerability hangover or I was yeah. worried about having to tell this guy, like for example, date number two, I really liked him and I was dreading being like, Hey, I'm actually doing this like viral project right now that all of New York knows about. Like, are you cool with it? Cause some guys don't want to know that you're dating potentially 28 other guys.
0: Right. You know? So right. it was a lot. That was a lot. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I'm curious, what did you learn about yourself? in this process?
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, I learned anything is possible because I went from having a platform of 80 followers. This was like my, this wasn't my main Instagram. It was like my like pro- artsy project Instagram. Oh. And I went from having literally 80 followers to I think at the end of the challenge, I had 38K in the span of a month on Instagram. Wow. Um, So it's like anything can happen. I learned that. I was featured in Bustle Bloomberg. Um, you know, a lot of people came up to me and they're like, what's your trick? Because I was going on these fun, extravagant, extravagant dates with all these like, amazing men. And I think that there's like this preconceived notion that unless you're a model, you're not going to be able to like, land these guys. Mm. And I'm like, no, like, they're just people. And so I learned that like, no one's too good for you. Anything can happen. And then when it comes to dating, I would say, be careful about sharing your dating journey online because towards the end, I did attract a lot of clout chasers. You know, a lot of people who were formerly on reality TV
0: oh. there for the wrong reasons. okay. Yeah. So there was a lot of dynamics at play throughout. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. And what about I'm curious about your pre-date routine? Because I talked to my audience about this, but oh. like, you specifically, like, how would you get ready oh my for God. a date?
1: I was a chicken with my head cut off because <laughs> I was well, typically I am that as well, like in my normal <laughs> life. But because I was doing 28 dates in 28 days, yeah. there were some days where I'd be going on multiple dates in a day. Right. And um I was vlogging everything, and then all of a sudden, like I was like. On Instagram all the time because I had all these people asking me questions and like the following happened. And so, honestly, my predate ritual was shower, put on perfume, put on makeup half the time I would leave the house with my hair wet and I'd be like trying to dry it in the car. Like it was a little chaotic. Um, I wish I could have slowed it down and like actually curled my hair some of the times. Like, yeah, yeah. I swear to God that whole month, I never curled my hair. Like I was doing the bare minimum because I was just yeah going on so, so many much. dates and I was still trying to work out and take care of myself. Mm. Um, I like to wear dresses because I like to romanticize dating. Not that you need to wear a dress, like whatever you feel stunning in, yes. that's what you should wear because so many people view dating as work. I I don't like that mentality. I like to view it as fun, romantic, magical. Yes, I agree with you. You have Mm -hmm.
0: to have fun. What are you doing if you're not having fun?
1: Yeah, and like that energy transcends. Like you go to the date and if you like show up like, oh, this is another date, like with a bad attitude, they're going to
0: feel that and it's going to take away from it. It's so true. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I love love that mindset shift because that is going to show up in terms of how you talk, what you talk about. Mm -hmm. Like it just shows up everywhere. It does, Yeah. yeah. So- I have a lot of audience members who I know are on the apps. Okay. And I give my opinion about it. But I'm curious, like, what are your tips for success on the dating apps? Yeah. Because so many people hate them. No, so
1: many people hate them. I think that finding an app that works well for you, like, there's a million apps mm-hmm. out there. If you're on Hinge and it's not going anywhere, maybe try a different app. Right. Um, also, make sure you have really Good, flattering photos. Make sure the first photo is just you, like some of the basics. Um, When it comes to the prompts, I always say, like, uh, you know, Matthew Hussey, right? Yes. Um, So he talks a lot about um, unique pairings. And so when you're answering a prompt, talk about two different things combined that makes you unique. Like maybe you Mm. love cooking homemade pasta every Sunday while reading your favorite um Thriller novel or something like that's like really gonna get the right people to be like, oh my god, I like that too. Yeah, and then you bring in the right people. Whereas if you're just trying to be like everyone else, you're not gonna stand out from the crowd, and you're not gonna attract the right people.
0: Oh, I love that because when we are authentically ourselves, that's when we attract who's meant for us. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, when you try to be like everyone else, it's just like it dilutes you and it's yeah. boring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go to present day. Okay, where are you at? in your love journey and your dating, are we doing 28 dates in November? I mean, right. like what, like what, what's, what's going on? Where are you at? It's so interesting
1: because, <clears throat> excuse me, it, the whole journey was so, I don't want to use the word traumatic because it, but it just was such a crazy experience Right. that once, so there was one guy specifically, well, there were a few guys where like, I thought like, oh my God, I found my person. Which sounds crazy, but like when you go on 28 dates in 28 days, you're meeting a lot of people. Yes. And all of a sudden, like you go from being like, I have no prospects to like I had like four prospects, Um, but none of them worked out. And so after that happened, I needed to take a step back for myself and kind of recalibrate. Um, And so now I am trying to do a date a week. I'm not going to lie. Like I feel like I get a little lazy and I'm trying to get back out there consistently Um, I feel like fall is kind of like people are back in the city consistently dating in the summer can be so hard Mm -hmm. Um, so i'm just i'm still single But people might be like, oh that was a waste of time You can't be attached to the outcome when you date right that puts too much pressure on it And so i'm not embarrassed or ashamed of still being single because I also have high standards and i'm really looking for somebody who is emotionally intelligent And they want the same things that I want and so that's not going to automatically come Um, It's going to take work to find it.
0: So I'm putting in the work and I'm continuing to date, I guess. I love it. Yes, you cannot be attached to the outcome. Yeah. Surrender to the process. And I was attached to the
1: outcome because I I felt the world's eyes on me. And Mm. I was, I wanted, you know, like it was almost like um, beliefs around worth. Like if I can't find somebody after going on 28 dates in 28 days, does that mean that there's something wrong with me? Am Mm. I not worthy? Like all these different, you know, themes came up. And I had to be like, no, I am worthy. Like it just didn't work out.
0: Oh, it's so, mm-hmm. so important to yeah. remember that and know that, yeah, your worth is not based in your relationship status. Yeah. Right. Um, For you, I mean, I'm curious, like what are some of the core things that you know that you want in a relationship?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I know I for sure want somebody who wants marriage, at least one kid, um, I'm somebody who needs to be in a city and I'm very ambitious. And so I need somebody who they don't have to have, like, they don't have to like have already made it, but I need to have somebody who wants to have a certain lifestyle that, you know, aligns with my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, just like, I think that's it. Like family values, ambition, similar lifestyle. I love to travel. I'm very open-minded.
0: I love that. Yeah. And then I always ask my clients this because I think it's really important. But do you know how you want to feel in a relationship?
1: Oh, I love that question. I want to just feel safe and loved. I do like excitement. And so like stereotypically, I've gone for flashy men, Mm. but the flashy men never work out because like they have like promises that are so grandiose and then it's all empty Um, I dealt with a few men who like did future faking. I don't know if you've heard of that. Oh. Where they would talk about, you know, like we're going to do all of this, like you're the one, all these things. And it was just empty promises trying to get me into bed. But thankfully I was doing my 90 day rule at the time where I wasn't sleeping with anyone for 90 days. And so it didn't
0: work, but I saw what their their efforts were really trying to lead to. Yeah. I love that you said this. It never works out with the flashy men. It doesn't. I mean, it didn't for me at least. I mean, maybe someone like could get them, but not me. Well, what I, what I appreciate about that is, you know, I always tell people we want to be in reality mm-hmm. when we're dating. Yeah. And I think sometimes when people come on really strong, maybe it's even love bombing in mm-hmm. some way, it's just not in reality. Yeah. Like people need to earn your emotional investment over time. Yeah. So it's all about slowing down, gathering the data and saying, has this person earned my emotional investment? Yep, I agree. And I also feel like because I have such an anxious
1: attachment style, I would do, like, I would, like, call these guys during the day. Yeah. Like, I would, like, do some crazy stuff. Not crazy.
0: I don't (coughs) like to use that word. But you know what I mean? Emotionally dysregulated anxious attachment strategies.
1: Yeah, because, like, for example, one of the guys who I like the most, he – I call him date number two. But he was so inconsistent with his communication. Mm. And then I was like, is that my anxious – Attachment rearing this ugly head, or is that just my gut telling me there's something off here? And I felt very confused about like which was what.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. So how do you know when it's your gut, your attachment style, you know? And I I always tell people with your attachment style, a lot of times it's gonna be fear. Like if you get down to the root of it, it's like, oh, there's fear. Mm -hmm. Um and then with your gut, it's an inner knowing. It's okay. Like, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So you talked about day number two being inconsistent, mm-hmm. right? And of course, there's your anxious attachment style there. The other thing that comes to mind for me is um, intermittent reinforcement. Oh, what's that? So intermittent reinforcement is the same thing that people go through in gambling and why people get addicted to gambling. Okay.
1: Because it's like you never know when they're going to yes. pop up. Yes. And, and you- is that addictive to the brain? Yes. Wait, why have I not heard about this?
0: (laughs) I don't know. What? So, sometimes certain relationships, the ones that are unpredictable, particularly, they'll have intermittent reinforcement. And sometimes you hit the jackpot. Right. Sometimes it's an amazing date and you connect so deeply, and your brain's going jackpot, jackpot, right? But then it's more inconsistent. But this is the same kind of thing that gets people addicted to gambling. Mm -hmm. That same pattern showing up in relationships makes a lot of people feel like they just can't leave, like they can't get over this person because they're actually addicted to that person.
1: And that's how I felt with date number two in that like when I did hit the jackpot, it would be a marathon date that it was at this like Michelin star restaurant followed by like an amazing club that's hard to get into, Mm. followed by going back to his place where he would cook for me for like a second little snack, followed by like sleeping over even though I wasn't having sex with him like in the morning we would like go and get a green juice and it was like the way he was talking was like like I've never felt like this before and then like so we had like this like condensed like 12 hours together that was magical and then it would and then he would disappear yeah and then he'd come back and do it again and like it's so
0: hard and it's hard to know because I don't know enough about him to know if it was some sort of I don't want to say narcissistic but maybe or was it avoidant attachment style it's hard to know yeah. Um, but it's like that's not a sustainable relationship, right? Right. Can I ask you how it ended? Um.
1: So I thought he had a wife or a girlfriend because I found some like blonde extensions in his drawer. Oh, girl. And like there were. Oh, no. No, I know. But oh. like there were signs earlier. Like, for example, <laughs> I felt like on our second or third date, I like he was making me dinner and I opened the closet to grab some wine because he asked me to. And he, there were like a bunch of women's clo- coats excuse me so there's a bunch of women's coats and I'm like whose are these and he's like oh they're my cut like he made up a whole excuse like they're my cousin she's moving blah 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 and I like looked up his cousin and she's like this woman who's like in her mid-30s married very well to do and I'm like why would she need to use your place as storage like it doesn't make any sense mm. but I believed him because I had no reason not to but I, like, my little, like, alarm bells were going off a little bit, and then the next time I was there, there was, like, some women's jewelry next to the bed. No. And then that's when I started to snoop a little further, and then I started to dig, and I found the extensions and all these things. Oh, no. And I went, instead of confronting him, I went online, and I was like, this is a little toxic, and I was like, how do you look up if somebody's married? And I asked my audience, because there's, like, background checks, et cetera, and I all of a sudden there's an onslaught of people who are like, use this database, like use these different <laughs> techniques, like Google Everyone this, <laughs> like, wedding registries, all these things. Yeah. And so I tried to look into it, but I never found anything that alluded to marriage, but I was almost a thousand percent sure that he was probably in a long-term relationship. In
0: a long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. Ugh.
1: Yeah. So then, uh, so then I never talked to him again because okay. I didn't want to confront him. I was like a little afraid. Sure. Because I was like, if he's actually in a long-term relationship he, and he's doing this while I'm on such a public platform, yeah, I was afraid like maybe what he would. is a narcissist. Maybe there is a few screws yeah, loose. For sure. And that's why I just immediately distanced myself and I just didn't never talk to him again.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that was the right thing to do. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
1: It was hard. like, oh, I, like it's so hard. I was like, is he my soulmate? Ugh. But also, he did tell me that as a child, he grew up with like his uncle and aunt in another country for the first eight years of his life. Oh. And then he... Moved to America with his parents, but he viewed his aunt and uncle as his parents for oh. those years. And then the move apparently was like super traumatic. Yeah, and so with my psychology background, I was kind of like, oh, maybe there's like some woundedness there. Sure,
0: there's definitely sounds like some trauma. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think you know going back to what we said, it's like um, you you deserve somebody who is going to show up consistently, who mm-hmm. wants to put effort in, who can co-create secure attachment. And at the end of the day, it's really important that we're saying this isn't about me. Yeah. I am enough, right? I know that I'm worthy of love. And this person does not have capacity to build the kind of relationship that I want to build. Yeah, or he's in another relationship. Or he's in another, yeah, exactly. You're like you can't, you definitely don't have capacity <laughs> Yeah, if you're in another <laughs> relationship. Sounds like you're at right? max capacity yeah, over there, sir. <laughs> max capacity. Yeah. And I, I've been in that scenario as well. I used to, I went through a string of people who were married and it was based on I now look back and I go, I know it was based on my attachment style at the time. Which was what? Anxious. Okay. So I was more attracted to unavailable men. So anxious people are more attracted to less available people. Yes. Why is that? Because it fits our blueprint for what love is. And then we have a whole other thing called repetition compulsion. Oh. Have you heard of this?
1: Is that where you have to keep doing something until you master it? Basically, okay. it's like
0: you have um, a pattern for love that usually developed in childhood or early romantic experiences, and you're repeating that same pattern compulsively. So not mm-hmm. consciously, it's a compulsion. And then there's this unconscious wish that this time you'd get a different outcome. Yeah. That if you can get a different outcome this time, it'll make up for all the pain from your past.
1: Interesting. And you see that a lot in relationships? Yes. Okay. Yes. I definitely have that, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that was so I my story, you know, I was in a really really toxic relationship and then when that ended, I hit rock bottom mm-hmm. and that was my moment of getting myself into therapy and healing and that's kind of when I learned okay. about my attachment style and I learned about repetition compulsion. But just having that understanding is so powerful.
1: Mhm. No, it it is helpful and like for me I don't really know like what I should do because like, I think I'm aware of Mm -hmm. my patterns, but I think that once I'm in the thick of a relationship, it starts to feel very scary again.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is where, this is where my work comes in. Actually, Mm -hmm. that's why I developed what I did Mm -hmm. because I realized that people could have awareness, but if you haven't actually rewired your brain or you haven't actually done the internal work of letting things go, it doesn't matter. Right. It's like, you can be aware of it. But you're still gonna just repeat patterns until you've really healed and really worked on yourself. Mm -hmm. So we'll chat. Yeah, I know. Honestly, I'm like, (laughs) I need to look into this program.
1: Because, okay, like you're saying that people need to do the inner work to get a different outer outcome. Unless, like, I feel like, are there people though that just get
0: lucky? There are people who meet someone who's really, really secure. Mm And then over time, they have corrective emotional experiences that then help them. But here's the thing: like it's just not as likely. Okay. So I I always believe we should do everything that we can, mm-hmm. right? Like take ownership of how we're showing up. Yep. I mean, I know we could just talk and talk. This has been such a good interview. No, I
1: know. I I love this. I think attachment is so important, and I think the deeper work is important. Um, so as somebody who's like 31, almost 32, like I've been in relationships, I am anxiously attached. Um, If I am in a secure relationship, could that, like that would help me move back to secure, right? What if I'm with another anxious person? Could that ever work? Like what so, happens when two anxious people come together? <laughs> one of you will probably become
0: avoidant. Oh, really? Because then the <laughs> other one will like stress us out. <laughs> that could happen. There's a lot of ways it could go. You could have two anxious people. And and the way I like to explain attachment theory mm-hmm. too is that, okay, you have it on like a spectrum. Okay. So you might have some secure and some anxious. So it's going to depend what what the spectrum looks like. Um it comes back to that commitment of, do we want to build secure attachment together? Can we work on ourselves as individuals mm-hmm. and then come together to co-create secure attachment? If you're able to do that, yep. which is really hard, but if you're able to, then it might work. Got it. Okay. That's amazing. Yeah. And you probably will experience codependency with two anxious people as well. So that's why, yeah, you really have to both work. And then two avoidant people will just never end up together. Two avoidant people will likely just sort of live, like, parallel lives but not really be connected. Mm. And it's likely that at some point someone will leave the relationship. Do avoidant people not have emotional needs? They do. Oh, they do? They're scared of them. So they're phobic of their emotional needs. Yes, they try to disconnect from them.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah, this is the distinction, I think, a lot of times here because people will—they'll mistake avoidantly attached people for narcissists. Okay. But they're they're not. They're empathic. They have emotions. They just don't know what to do with them.
1: Got it. That's so interesting. So they want it, but they're just afraid because yeah. whatever early experience made them feel like that's dangerous.
0: And this is where the caregiver types like us were like, oh, I can help that's you. That's my
1: thing. I love a wounded bird. Even my astrologer told me, he's like, stay away from (laughs) wounded birds. And I'm like, you're right. No more wounded birds. No more wounded birds.
0: I can't do it anymore. Yeah. No. Sucking me dry. Right. Yeah. You can't. You You have to get to a place where you say, I want someone who can also give to me. Yes. I want reciprocal.
1: Yes. And not just monetarily. No. Because a lot of the wounded birds are also rich,
0: like wounded birds, you know? So I'm like,
1: that's okay. (laughs) We can be in Miami and I'll fix you,
0: (laughs) you know? Yeah, it's it's so fascinating, isn't it? But yeah, getting to this place where you say, "Hey, I'm worthy of a reciprocal relationship with okay. somebody who shows up for me." Um and then it's doing that inner work on on yourself to where you can become attracted to securely attached mm-hmm. love. Yeah.
1: So, do you sorry, last thing, I'm like asking so many questions, but do you think like books like for example, The Rules or like books where it says be hard to get, do you think those are harmful for people who want to be in a securely attached relationship? I do. Oh, you do? Because it, it's just to, like, chase me. Yeah. Like, almost like the anxious running from the avoidant. It's how to play the
0: avoidantly attached person's game. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think it's really harmful. How about movies like He's Just Not That Into You? I mean, I think that there's probably some good takeaways from that. mm mm-hmm. um, But what's hard is about that movie is it's like she was getting the data the whole time that he wasn't into her, and that at the end he comes around, and that's just not real life. That's not. It's not real life. The data was there. That movie should end where they just become friends, and then she goes off, and she does meet somebody wonderful. That's and he, and that's he's hotter. the reality, and he's hotter and richer. Like and that, he should be, that should be that yeah. and he expresses his emotions, and he buys her flowers. Like, that should be the end of the movie. That right? really should. Yeah. 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 Anyways, good, good questions. I love it. I love that you're, you're asking all these. Yeah. Questions. I'm like taking over, but I just, I, you're the expert <laughs> I and I have you in a room and I'm like, okay, I need to ask. So I, I apologize. <laughs> no, I love it. Okay. Love okay. It. Okay. I want everyone to connect with you. I mm-hmm. want everybody to follow you. Please tell my audience, how can they find you? So I'm Life of Marn NYC on Instagram, Life of Marn on TikTok.
1: My podcast is called Crowdsourcing Love. Um, and I'm also recently starting a new matchmaking business called Mar Dating Club. And that organically started because I had all these people wanting to be connected with each other. It's a group of intentional daters who don't really have trouble with finding a partner. It's more so they just don't have the time or they just haven't prioritized it. Um, and it's a great network of singles, specifically in like the tri-state area of New York, Connecticut, New Jersey. So yeah, find me in all those places. Yeah, I love it.
0: Yes, make sure you go check out her podcast. I know it's packed with the real talk Mm, about dating, which which is so, so important. And thank you for being a guest. It's been wonderful. Yeah, thank you. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.